Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. Taylor Swift has finally released her 10th album, Midnights, which has already broken records for the most streamed album in a single day and the most streamed artist in a single day on Spotify. Now, before we dive into Midnights, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, what's your process for listening to an anticipated album? I am Sandra Amstutz. I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee, and I think my ideal process is if I if it's something I'm really excited about, which I only yep. get this excited for Taylor Swift albums. So this is really just how do I <laughs> listen to it. an anticipated yeah. Taylor Swift album? Um, is ideally she, when the album comes out, she will also put out the lyric videos on YouTube. This did not happen. This album cycle but typically mm-hmm. she releases lyric videos at the same time the album comes out so i will listen to the album the very first time on youtube so that i can watch the lyric videos at the same time and really soak in the lyrics as i'm hearing the song for the first time but then i don't consider it complete until i listen to the whole album in my car on car speakers driving around town that's like the best way for me to absorb music so it's a, it's a two-part process this particular cycle, the lyric videos didn't come till later. So instead, I had people over to my house. We put it on the TV, on Spotify, and we kind of listened to the album as a group. Nice. That um, the YouTube thing is sh- shocking to me. It's just it was, it's absolutely an wild. odd choice. Um, <laughs> oh, you're shocked <laughs> that is. I do that, or you're shocked? I'm shocked that I'm sh- I am shocked that you do that. <laughs> it does remind me though of like in in like high school putting on a CD. Um, and like flipping through the the CD booklet and reading all the lyrics, um, as you're, as you're listening to it the first time, that's how I used to listen to, <laughs> to albums for the first time. So it definitely feels reminiscent of that. Let me tell you, I had to listen to when I, because the lyric videos weren't out, I had to pull up the genius lyrics, which were user contributed and were not accurate oh, gosh. and it yeah, impacted no. my experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, a great way to 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 do that is just to listen to the words uh, that are that are coming into your ears. Um, that that's just just a suggestion for next well, time. We can talk more uh, about uh, the, <laughs> the words that I miss here from Taylor's mouth. Yes, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> um, I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and my kind of go to for an anticipated album is to I have to listen to it all the way through. I can't take breaks. Um, and I have a specific set of headphones that I wear. And I sit at my computer. And I usually will just, like, play a game on my phone. Like, some, do something mindless while I'm, like, listening um, to the album. But I might, like... My hands have to be doing something, otherwise I will get distracted and start doing something else. So that's kind of my go-to. And back for a second time in a row, we have a guest with us. Ben Weaver, please introduce yourself. Sexy babies, I'm back! (laughs) Thanks for having me back, y'all. I'm so excited to talk about this album. Um, Listeners, my name is Ben Weaver. Uh, I'm a filmmaker in Austin, Texas. And my process on listening to an album that's anticipated is kind of like Sandra's. I have to listen to it through the first time, no skips, no nothing. But I have to kind of isolate myself. Uh, So for this, I went into my room. I had a like a little portable speaker and I turned it all the way up and I just sat on my bed and I listened to it and I don't listen to, I don't look at lyrics the first time. I just kind of want to take in everything. I want to be overwhelmed by the sound and the lyric and like be confused and, and surprised and just see what happens and take that ride. And then the second time I'll go back through, I'll listen to the lyrics I'll look at the lyrics, I'll try to, you know, I'll see who's writing on it, the producers, all that stuff, and dive into it. And then the third time is in a car, like Sandra. So, Sandra, we're very close in our processes. (laughs) Nice. But that's how I do this. I I was trying to think about other anticipated albums I had done this for, and it hasn't been that many. Um, (laughs) It was Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters in 2020. Uh, For me, LCD Sound Systems, American Dream, that came out in, like, 2016, 2015. Uh, I did that. Frank Ocean's Blonde. Um, yeah. 
But yeah. other than that, there haven't been a lot where I've given it this much attention, which I feel like most musicians want us to do this. You know, they want they us do. to sit down. They do. But our, our attention is scarce. We don't have <laughs> here's, we don't have the time to do this for here's everyone. my question. Who of us or I should say I did this, did either of y'all <laughs> um listen to the album for the first time when it was right when it was released at midnight Eastern on it would be Absolutely Thursday not. night. No hundred percent. I woke up to a lot of text messages from people who did, <laughs> but I, I can't I can't say. What about you? Oh, you did? oh, yeah, no. So I went and saw Black Adam um right before pass um yeah and i was already up so i just stayed up and then listened to it a couple of times and then i was like well i might as well just stay up for 3 a.m so i then also stayed up for the 3 a.m songs and oh i had a shoot at 7 30 the next morning so your boy did not get a lot of sleep that's yeah. that's wild <laughs> did you you stayed up sandra oh of course yeah i had like yeah. a whole celebration um Friends of mine, we went to the Botanical Gardens that night just, you know, as a pregame. And then yeah. they came back to my house and we dressed up. We had, I made Taylor Swift themed macarons. Um, we listened to the album. And then my plan was to stay up till 3 a.m. for the surprise. Um, I was so exhausted, though, that I kind of like fell asleep, woke up at like, 3.30 a.m., saw that there were new tracks, but was too tired to listen to them, and so I listened to those in the morning and watched the music video in the morning. I will tell you that the 3 a.m. tracks that she released for us really do hit if you've been up for, like, <laughs> 20 hours. <laughs> they hit in a different way because you're exhausted, you're already, you've gone through this roller coaster, and then a couple of those songs, I'm not going to lie, uh, one of them actually brought me to tears. So we'll get into it. We'll but. get into it. Um, well, before we actually get into it, every week we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week, whether that be a movie, music, um, a TV show. Um, so, Sandra, let's start with you. What are you feeling this week? So what I'm feeling this week, I am I couldn't be later to the game on it. Um, I have recently started watching from season one. The TLC reality show, Sister Wives. You, some of you, I, I, I'm assuming neither of you watch Sister Wives. Is, is that a fair assumption? That is a correct assumption. Yep. <laughs> I want to know, how, how many seasons do you think there are of Sister Wives? I feel like this show's been on forever. Um, so my assumption would be like 15. Yeah. Ben, ben what is your guess? I have no reference point, so I'll guess like seven or eight. Sister Wives is currently airing its 17th season. <laughs> yeah, and that's wild. The, wow, more like insane. Simpson Wives. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason that I am starting Sister Wives for the first time after all of these years is because, um, for anyone who doesn't know, Sister Wives is a reality show about um, a plural marriage family unit that you know practices polygamy. There's one husband, there are four wives, there are tons of kids, and it's it's a show documenting their lives and, and their, mar their marriages. The 17th season is currently airing, and here's a spoiler alert for everyone. The big drama is that one of the wives is leaving, is divorcing the husband, and oh, she's shit. removing herself. This is the first time uh, this has happened in 17 seasons? In, in, in this family unit, that is the case. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, so it's really, really big drama and, and the, all the reality TV people that I know that do watch this show are talking about it. Um, I'm seeing a lot of clips on TikTok of this wife, you know, talking about her marriage and, and the split and the divorce. Um, and so I, it is so fascinating, especially in reality TV, when you know, how a story ends to then go back and, and watch it from the beginning with that point of view, you know, knowing that this, what, what it's headed towards. Yeah. Um, you know, we just had that last year with, you know, the white Lotus where you, you know what the end, that something horrible is going to happen by the end of the season. You just don't know how yeah. it's going to happen. <laughs> um, and so this feels, I've done this with, um, reality shows before where, um, on Real Housewives of Orange County, I knew that one of the housewives' boyfriends faked cancer. And so then I went back the, like, and watched mm. the five seasons he was on, knowing that like he's going to be this con artist the whole time. Um, it's a cool lens to watch reality TV through. 
And I'm finding Sister Wives to be very fascinating. This sh I've watched season one. It premiered in 2010. Um, 2010 reality TV is so different than what we do now. And it's so interesting because they're presenting themselves, at least in season one, as this kind of utopia. And it's at the same time, of course, incredibly traditional and conservative. And, you know, it feels so ancient the way that they operate. Yeah. <laughs> but then at the same time, it's so incredibly like modern and evolved. The The way that they're discussing polyamory in 2010 is a way that feels like very relevant in 2022. Um and the way that they discuss, like, yeah, jealousy issues and sexuality and um, family roles, I I'm finding the whole thing fascinating. So we'll s let's see if I keep up with it and watch all 17 seasons, but I'm really enjoying the start. <laughs> Listeners, you can't see this, but Sandra is slowly putting on a bonnet right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's really into it. Uh, wait, how are you watching this again? Um, so I had to sign up for Discovery Plus, that streaming platform. Okay. Um, All right, so you're of, you're on the Discovery Plus train let now. Me tell you, it's, it's great. Full of garbage television. It is. <laughs> it is. Yes. This is yes, the most garbage sure. streaming platform I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but well, once it gets combined with HBO, you know that's it's going to be it's going to be oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah right? I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah. Um, well, this week I am feeling Park Chan Wook's new movie, Decision to Leave. This is a great movie. <laughs> um, it couldn't veer further from Sister Wives. Which it really couldn't. <laughs> it's, it's, I was trying to figure out how to connect them to do a good transition, and there's absolutely no way to sure. do it. Um, yes, Park Chan Wook, who, did, who directed Old Boy and um, The Handmaids, The Handmaidens, Han the hand just Handmaiden, hand, hand, The Handmaiden, singular. Yeah. Sing yes, one handmaid. Getting Handmaid's Tale mixed yeah. up in there. Um, <laughs> yes, um, who directed Old Boy and The Handmaiden. Um, has finally come out with another movie. It has been too long. Um, and uh, spoiler alert, I loved it. It's about a detective who is investigating a possible homicide. Um, and he meets and becomes obsessed with the dead man's wife. And it's a mystery thriller romance movie um, that uh, really, really uh, does a great job of sitting with tension and that's both, you know, mystery thriller tension as well as the romantic tension. Um, and I think that this is something that he already does well, if you've seen The Handmaiden. Yep, The Handmaiden. Yep, yep, that's the... <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I'm having trouble here. If you've seen The Handmaiden, you know that, like, the romantic tension is something that he does uh, quite well. And I think he does it just as well um, in Decision to Leave. This is a, a much more chaste movie um, than The Handmaiden. It's a lot of uh, just glances and, you know, slight finger touches you know on on someone's hand like that kind of stuff as opposed to um some of the some of the more graphic things you'll get in the handmaiden but i i really did enjoy this movie a lot and i think he is just a masterful filmmaker um he won best director at the the Cannes film festival for this film and it is well deserved i'm so excited for this movie i haven't watched yes. any trailers for it i don't know much about it other than like kind of yeah, yeah what you've just said um, just because The Handmaiden is one of my favorite movies of all time. And Stoker is another film of his that I really loved. Um, oh, that's right. So I'm just, yeah, I've been really ready for a new a new project from him. So I, it comes yeah. out to Nashville this coming weekend. So I can't wait to see it. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah it should be in theaters. Oh, so go for it, Ben. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I saw the trailer for it and was immediately taken into the fact that we are in like the good the meat of the year for movies and mm -hmm. it reminded me like, here we go good stuff yeah. is coming i can't wait to see it it's it's happening i think for, for me i didn't want to get too um excited for this film just because of how much i love the handmaiden um i was just like that it, it's not going to top that so if i go in with the expectation that it's not going to top it i'm going to be fine and i was this this is in my mind, not better than The Handmaiden, but so few movies are that this still is a fantastic movie, and I'm positive it'll be on my top ten at the end of the did year. You, Lucas, did you like Stoker, and is this – did you like this better than Stoker? So I still have not seen Stoker. Oh, wild. <laughs> yeah, I need to watch I've it. never seen Old Boy, so, like, yeah, relatable. Yeah. yeah. Okay, guys, it's my turn. Yes. Uh, yep. And uh, I'm going to take you all for a ride because last Friday – uh, we got Midnight's by Taylor Swift, and it was a big day. But that was not the only <laughs> album we got. And as I've heard on Twitter, it was a big day for annoying people. 
because uh, <laughs> this this week I am feeling Carly Rae Jepsen's sixth studio album, The Loneliest Time. Uh, I have been a Carly Rae Jepsen fan for a really long time, and I want anybody who just thinks of her as Call Me Maybe, just like give me 10 seconds, all right? Carly Rae Jepsen stays in her lane. She fucking found her fucking lane, which is strawberry shortcake pop. All right. She does it so well. She never deviates. She always delivers. So if you haven't listened to any of her other music, the mandatory listening is emotion. That album front to back. Incredible. All bops. But with this newest one, she continues what she does, which is just synthy, big old pop ballad, fun songs. And she also has collaborated with a couple of people uh, namely Rostam, Rostam Bakmanglage, I believe that's how you say his last name, um, mm-hmm. who was part of, I believe, the band Fun. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and incredible producer, and he's uh, on two of the tracks. One of the best ones, my favorite, is Western Wind, which was the lead single off the album. It's like a Joni Mitchell, like very sweet and like fun uh, and sensitive and thoughtful song that like has so many so many repeat listens inside of it. Some of the takeaway tracks real quick. I'm going to give you guys in case you don't care at all. It starts off with a banger, Surrender My Heart. Super big, super fun. Uh, Talking to Yourself um, is, again, it's just another good song to run to or walk to or do any sort of exercise to. Sideways, uh, she continues her little, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but like goofy pop that she did on Dedicated where it's a little (laughs) wonky, a little like Tyler the Creator, you know, production if that makes any sense um you know we get uh western wind uh (laughs) the track go find yourself or whatever fantastic (laughs) song title um it's just a great time if you need uh if you've been listening to midnights over and over and over and you need something just to kind of cleanse your palate and not think too hard this is a fantastic album Sandra Lucas, have either of y'all taken this album for a spin? I am a huge fan of Emotion, her her previous album. Let's go. Um, I have I have done one listen through um, of the Loneliest Time, and I'm very excited to get back into it. I really like Carly Rae Jepsen, um, and I think I was a little thrown off by her single Beach House, um, which <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, felt a little off to me. Uh, but it's still a fun track, and especially in the mix of the rest of the album, I think it fits really well. So I I enjoy it, and I'm excited to get back into it. I was the same way when I heard Beach House, and I just want to say I would listen to it a couple more times. It's yeah. a little bit more like layered and sinister than I thought it yeah. was. <laughs> so it, it it grew on me for sure. Yeah. Sandra, what about you? Good. Um, I adore Carly Rae Jepsen, but I have not listened to any of her new music just because I I really need to like get through the Taylor Swift album cycle before I can dedicate myself to another album. Um, totally. And so I'm just like, yeah, I'm just giving, I want to give myself a little bit of a break from Taylor before I jump right into t- to Carly. It, it makes sense. I mean, they are, they're in the same ballpark of, uh, you know, kind of themes and sounds and all that stuff. And Carly is a little bit more intense in terms of the, the syrupiness. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're burned out on Taylor, Carly's not really going to help it, but yeah, it's a great album. Um, very excited to see her on tour. Um, she came to ACL and I missed her, but hopefully she'll be back in Austin soon. I, she was the, one of the last concerts I saw before the pandemic and she was incredible in life. Like just one of the most fun shows I've ever been to. Well, it's Carly Rae Jepsen's The Loneliest Time. All right. Are we ready to finally talk about Midnight's? So ready. So, as I said before, Midnight's is her 10th studio album. Um, She released it this week in the midst of um, kind of coming out with her Taylor version releases that she's been doing. 
I felt like we were going to get the full ver- the full album of 1989 um, pretty soon, but um, instead we got Midnight's, which I'm not upset about. Um, I just think she is someone who is absolutely just overflowing with songs, <laughs> and so even when she is focused on re-recording some of her previous songs, um, she still has to release um, studio albums. So this is her what fifth in the last a little over two years with Lover Folklore. Um, Evermore. What am I missing? Well, red she did the fearless re-release. and yeah, red re-releases. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's right. Um, and so I just I just feel like this is what she loves to do, and so it's exciting to see her get more original songs here. So the question I want to ask you is: She's gone through a couple different phases. So coming into Midnight's, um, were you more entranced with her country, her pop, or her like cottage core phase? I will say that. I'm a pop girly, like, through and through. No matter who Mm -hmm. the artist is, I'm always going to appreciate, like, the poppiest of pop. Um, And so generally that's what I like. However, Taylor's Cottagecore era has been – has produced my favorite Taylor music of all time. So mm-hmm. with Taylor specifically, this this more recent era has been like my top tier of her. Um, so I would yeah. do cottage chord pop and then country is third. Yeah, I'd say yeah. that, you know, listening to Taylor Swift, her music has been like riding on a highway. Like she's just going, <laughs> you're going like 70 miles an hour. And Folklore and Evermore feel like we got this detour that was like really special and really like intimate and ours. And now we're back on the highway. And uh, I just, I think that her songwriting and her lyricism is the best it's ever been on folklore and evermore. And she was able to be such a different person than on any of the other albums. And so I think that those two are my favorite, even though, you know, 1989, uh, fearless are my kind of two go tos for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'd say probably Cottagecore, and then God. Although I don't know, because <laughs> with the re-release of uh, of Fearless, we got Other Side of the Door, and I'm yeah. not gonna lie, that song has like vaulted into my top favorite songs. Country really Taylor good. is really fucking good. It's really good. It's really good. I think for me, each transition has been a little bit of a shock, um, but a welcome surprise. Um, I've loved each of her transitions. And so I feel like for me coming into Midnight's, I was like, I am game for whatever she does. I feel like I felt like she'd have a mix of a not country, but at this point, you know, pop and the cottage core kind of mixed in here. Um, and so I was very excited for her to get back to some pop stuff, but um, have an album that really felt like it was more her than a her putting on a style, which I feel like we got. So yeah, and I will say um, that it feels like Midnight's is like the bigness of 1989, the popness of 1989 filtered through folklore and Evermore intimacy. Yeah, you know, yeah, it feels like she definitely. she had honed being able to do all that big pop stuff, but she also yeah. figured out how to do it like in a really tiny studio apartment and give yeah. it to us that way you know it, it, it's really fantastic um there's this one tiktok user that i have that made a couple of tiktoks about midnights that were really interesting to me where she took several of the tracks on midnights and then placed it like kind of made a up a spotify you know screenshot looking you know piece of art with other mm-hmm. album arts on Instead of the Midnight album art, basically saying like, what song does what album does this song feel like it belongs on? Um, Mm, And it was really fascinating to see like how that breaks down her interpretation of like, you know, this one really fits in with 1989. This one really fits in with Reputation. This is this sounds like a folklore song. Um, And I think more than ever, Midnight's feels like she is pulling from all of her previous eras. And it's like this. Um, collage of all of her cells. Yeah. A hundred percent. Which I'm surprised that that can feel like a cohesive album, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, just because she has been so, not all over the place, but like she's had different vibes throughout. Um, all of her albums are distinctly different. And so for that to come together where you can feel that like these songs fit on specific albums and yet it all fits in one, uh, it's pretty impressive. Well, and it's it's really interesting because like 
She has said, she was asked, you know, is Midnight's from the vault tracks or is this all new music? And she right. was insistent that this is all new music, but the thesis of the album is about 13 sleepless nights she's had over the course of her life. So in theory, this album should be tracking like all these different times in her life. So it, it makes sense that they fit into multiple eras. Well, and it yeah. also makes sense that as she's doing these re-records, we would then get original music. If you're going back into the headspace of these albums and these times, and you're try you're literally trying to like replicate the sound, you're trying to get back into that headspace, it would put you back into those scenarios and those places that made you write those songs. And of course, you would have more perspective or you would have better words to describe what happened. And I feel like we got that out of Midnight's. You know, we got this, you know, expansion and this like, other angle on all of these things that we thought we knew really, really well, which is so much fun. Yeah. Um, when we're talking about Midnight's in y'all's head, are you thinking of the first 13 tracks or are you thinking of all 20 together? I personally am thinking of the 13 because she keeps talking about 13 nights. These are the 13 songs. Yeah. I think of the rest as bonus tracks, which we can definitely talk about. But when I think of the album, it is those 13 songs. And I will say that I'm actually, when I think of Midnight's, I am encounter- I'm encompassing all 21 new songs she's released. 21. Okay. <laughs> okay. To me, because I like, love this. You know, e- even though those others are bonus tracks, I mean, they're not, they, they're part of the Midnight's era. They're not part of another album, you know? So um, in yeah. doing so, are we then thinking that we're getting 21 distinct nights that she's writing about? That's my question. I Because she keeps talking about the night specific, I think most of her other albums, I count bonus tracks as part of the album. Mm-hmm. I think with this one specifically, because she's it is a concept album and she's she's writing these as specific nights, for me it's like these are, these are things, might be other songs that she wrote about those nights or maybe different nights that she didn't feel like fit. I mean, um, the idea is like, I don't think that these are literally specific nights. I think that they're like, these are the things that keep me up at night. You know, these are the thoughts that keep me up at night. Not necessarily like, you know, one specific night. I was wide awake thinking about this thing. So I do think that these, even the bonus tracks fit into that theme of these are the relationships, the fears, the thoughts that keep me up. Interesting. Okay, cool. I just had to clarify because as I'm thinking about it, when I think about Midnight's, I think about the 13 songs, and then yeah. I think about the eight additional songs and how they play against how they how that narrative goes to adds you know all that stuff against those 13. So mm-hmm. just I wanted to get y'all's perspective. Sure. I also think yeah. this would be very different if these bonus tracks appeared a month later, you know, but because they all appeared on the same day. Like, to me, there's no distinction between bonus tracks and regular album. Mm. Okay. Except they are two different albums on Spotify. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, um, well, before we get into talking about individual songs, I would love to just say, first listen through, I would love to hear just first reactions. When you first listened to this, what was your thought on Midnight? Ben, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so, uh, like I said, I was laying in bed listening to this with a little speaker in my ear, and my first impression was a little timid i knew i liked it and then i was as soon as it finished i was like this is an album that is going to give me more the more i listen to it um i i was like okay um i think the when the new things that she was trying like specifically the the weird you know autotune voice on midnight rain got Mm -hmm. me out of my seat um <laughs> the uh I think initially snow on the beach hit me harder and it has faded away, but we can talk about that later. Um and I think what I thought was I like this and I know I'm gonna like it more the more I listen to it. What about you, Sandra? Yeah, so um it's it's of course hard to like judge a whole album the very first time you listen to it. Um yeah. my very first listen was like, this was very unexpected for me. The whole vibe of the album felt way more uh, experimental than I expected her to be. And also, 
we've been in such a folklore evermore mind space that like <laughs> it really was startling to hear her like musicality switch up this way. Also, there were three songs on the first listen through that as soon as I heard them, I was like, I love this song. You know, my first listen to had just the original 13 tracks. So, um, yep. so the other 10 were either, I didn't know how I felt or like it was fine, you know, or there were some songs and we'll get into specific tracks later, but that I was just like, okay, I, I hate to say this pun, but this is Taylor like at her sleepiest like (laughs) so much of this was like this is so slow there's not really a chorus i can grab onto here this isn't the catchiness that i expect from taylor um and so i was i was a little confused and i will also say something that i was keeping in mind is that i think i keep saying this on our podcast is that I think Taylor has gotten better with every album she's released and that she like gets better as she gets older. Her songwriting gets better. It becomes more mature, more interesting, more catchy. Um, And so I felt like lover folklore evermore has been on this really steady incline that has, it kind of feels like, wow, there's no way to go, but up like Taylor just keeps getting better. (laughs) And Midnight's, I think, again, on first listen, um, was, I was like, oh, we're, we finally dipped. Um, by by no means do I think that this is a bad album, but my first reaction was, okay, this isn't better than Folklore and Evermore. Yeah. I think, I think for me, listening through, I was like, this feels like, um, it feels like a concept album. So it feels like it's going to have to be something that I listen to over and over again to understand my feelings toward it. To me, there weren't songs that stood out on my first listen through as like, oh, this is one that I'm going to have to come back to and listen to over and over again. It felt like one album that I just listened to once and was like, okay, that's a whole thing. And then it took a couple more listens to to get through to be like, okay, this song, this song, this song is standing out to me, um, which I think is an achievement for her. Like, I do think, like like you said, Sandra, this is her at her sleepiest. Like, this is a down album. Yeah. Um, as far as just energy, tone, vibe, all of it, um, which fits the title, <laughs> but also I think is, um, I think not stadium pop stuff that I expected from an album entirely written with her and Jack Antonoff. <laughs> so and when she's um, probably about to go on tour, exactly. Well, it's exactly. Fancy, and I think one of the things that we missed is on the on the first thirteen tracks, we never really get the full Taylor voice. Um, we get it on the additional track on like could have, would have, should have, you hear her like belting and singing and, and really just all of the air coming out of her lungs. Mm-hmm. There aren't any songs on the track on the album where she really, really does that. It's like y'all were yeah. saying, it was really sleepy and, yep. and also correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the first album where, the, where there's not a single guitar on any of the, the songs? I don't think, is there not a sing? is there not a guitar on any of them? I couldn't tell I you. I mean, not on not on midnights. I'm With, gonna have to go through and do another listen. That's yeah. that's surprising to me. I thought there were. I, th- I feel like there was one or two in there, but that that did not. I did not catch that at all. And I was like, as a girl who started with a guitar, she's finally right. made her way all the way yeah. away from it, which felt really yeah, significant. Yeah. I mean, that is also a Jack Antonoff vibe of <laughs> leave the guitar at the door. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Okay, so then let's talk about tracks. At that point, standout tracks to you so far on this album. What have they been? Well, I can tell you what my first three were, and then I'm and then there's been uh, two that's been added from the bonus tracks. Yeah. I have a, they adjust. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, we're not going. We're not. We're not ranking these. These are just the ones that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I can tell you, I do have a top five. I know we're not ranking, but like, they should just... we? Should we do our 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 favorite five right now? Let's do favorite five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, my top five, um, I mean, from the original album, from the beginning, first listen, number one is Mastermind. What if I told you none of it was accidental in the first night that you saw me? I knew I wanted your body. I laid the groundwork and then, just like clockwork, the dominoes cascaded in a line. What if I told you I'm a mastermind? I... I'm obsessed with this song. Um, I, I love the themes. I love the lyrics. I think the I love 
how catchy the chorus is, but that it takes, you have to like really learn it. It reminds me of Gold Rush in that way. Yeah. How it has that irregular rhythm that is fun to learn. Um, I love Gold Rush, so it's no surprise. Um, Karma and Antihero are just a blast. I She hit it out of the park with like songs that have really interesting writing and yet also like are as catchy as hell. Um, mm-hmm. I could say I could bop her along to Karma like all day, every day. It's karma is my boyfriend. Karma is a god. Karma is the breeze in my hair on the weekend. Karma's a relaxing thought. Aren't you envious that for you it's not? Sweet like honey. Karma is a cat. Curing in my lap because it loves me. Flexing like a goddamn acrobat. Me and Karma vibe like that. And, um, then from the bonus tracks, the songs that I keep returning to that I'm obsessed with are Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda, which I think is probably, like, uh, my favorite lyricism in her whole album. Her, like, the favorite, my favorite story. And then here's where I'm going to maybe surprise y'all. Okay. I am in love no. with Hits Different. The Target CD exclusive. Okay. That does surprise me. No no love for SZA here. Yeah. I I love it. It's a weird song, but I really love it. I thought you were going to say glitch, and I was about to have to leave the podcast. <laughs> I know. Same. <laughs> did you really think I was going to say glitch, Lucas? I did. I did. It's so bad. <laughs> no, no, no. Hits Different is so, like... It's actually like the lyrics are a little dark, but it's so bubbly and and perky at the same time. I'm I'm really in love with it. Um, I want to hear what y'all's are though. Like Sandra, I love Mastermind. I think it's a perfect album closer. I think it's so revealing. I think it's it's everything we love about Taylor. It, it's giving me like ribs by Lord. The way it just like keeps building and building and building and building and you're on it the whole time um i just every time i like as i've been listening to the album for the past two days three days however long we've had it you know there are a couple of songs where i'm like i want to go get to mastermind like i want to get there um for me it's you know the first three lavender haze maroon and anti-hero and say say what you will about jack antonoff he knows how to start an album I mean, Lavender Haze just puts you into this, like, weird, fun, you know, vibey mood. And I will say, Maroon, the first time I listened to the album, I was like, eh, pass. And the more I listened to it, I was like, no, 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 that's the fucking one. (laughs) It's so good. Then Antihero, of course, the first single, you know, the big song where we get the line, everybody's a sexy baby and I'm a monster on a hill, which yeah. is my favorite line on the album. Uh, I think it's, it's so, <laughs> so fucking funny. I'm so it's... glad to hear that you both like that line because that is like a lot of controversy on the internet right now is people who are for the line and against the line. Who's against and it? A lot of people. Let really? me tell you. Here's my theory on the people who... I think a lot of the reaction is like people are being like, ooh, that's weird. That's weird that she said that. One, I think the people who are reacting negatively to the sexy baby line are either unevolved or they are sexy babies. And they don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 100% yeah. agree. Yeah. And like... Here's the deal. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to put my conspiracy theory hat on, but um, the first track, first thing that we hear 
on this album is this weird squelch. It's not, and it sounds like they were making this song and they made that sound and they were like, oh, that sounds like a sexy baby. Uh, (laughs) And I I disagree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I love the line sexy baby. I think it just, it's something funny you would say to your friends and it shows that she's not taking herself too seriously all the time, you know? Um, my last big track is Midnight Rain. I it pushes and it pulls the the instrumentation. You know, it warbles, it comes at you, it goes away. It gives us a, her, like that weird voice that she sings in, and I absolutely loved that because I was like, "Yes, Taylor, sing in a different voice. Let him tune your voice, do something weird because it it feels good, it feels cool." Um, so those are my first top fives off the album nice um well mine aren't aren't that different <laughs> the mastermind is the first one that like because I, w- I wasn't paying attention to the album as i was listening through so i didn't know what track we we're on but i was like finally like this is a song that's like sticking out to me on that first run through and i was like oh and it's the last song <laughs> this is it okay um <laughs> but yeah that one i think is beautifully written i think it is just i think it does a lot of the things that i w- was hoping vigilante shit would do Mm. um in a way and it succeeds in a way that i don't think vigilante shit does Mm. um so that's that's definitely my number one midnight rain i love that song that's the one that i keep coming back to that really surprised me um because it is so weird um how much i loved it um lavender haze and anti-hero are two that i just i think those are obviously there's a reason they're at the front of the album um and there's not much more i need to say about it one that i i think i'm surprised that i like and i haven't listened to it enough yet to know if it's actually gonna stand the test of time but i like paris (laughs) i like paris too paris is in (laughs) my top 10 I I was really surprised how much I liked Paris and how much I as I was listening through I think on the first time through the 3 a.m. edition I wasn't a huge fan of it but it, it was something that I kept thinking about and being like oh maybe I should just put on Paris <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it's good it's fun it's light yeah. I mean there are a couple of songs where I'm like all right let's get to the others um, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mentioned this earlier but. Uh, snow on the beach. Can we talk about it for a minute? Yes. I want to hear yeah. Y'all's thoughts. Please. Okay. Um, first time I listened to it, I was like, "This is great. This is nice. This is peaceful. This is sweet. Cool." Lana Del Rey is breathing on a mic. Awesome. <laughs> now it's like snow at the beach. I listen to it the more I'm like this is not the feeling that I want when I go to midnights I don't know what do y'all think I like it it's not anything crazy to me I think the lyrics are pretty subpar um and so I think it's one that I don't return to often but it's not one that I skip Snow on the Beach has definitely grown on me. I think the first time I heard it, I, I similar to like a lot of people, I was like, well, where is Lana on this? Um, yeah, yeah. But the more I listen to it, the more I like it. Um, the lyrics, I don't like, I, I agree, Lucas. I don't think it's like the best on the album, but I love how twinkly the song is and that it's not a Christmas song, but it kind of feels like one. Yeah. <laughs> um, that really works for me, actually. And even though the lyrics are not, like, the top tier, I do love the theme of the song, which is, like, I can't believe you love me. This is as, like, magical as anything I can imagine, um, as it mm. unexpected and magical. Um, and so that idea is really charming to me. Yeah, and I guess I could see it if it is, like, in the winter, you're listening to this album, and it's in the middle of the night, and it starts snowing. Yeah. You know, this is kind of that what that feeling. This um, is going on my Christmas playlist, I will tell you that. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I think with Snow on the Beach, I think I would have responded to it a lot more if it had been on Evermore. 
and I know that you can't yeah. do that, but <laughs> it 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 feels like it fits better there than it does on Midnight's, in I, my opinion. I agree. Um, but I think you can, like I said earlier, you can say that about a lot of songs on this album, where it's like, mm, this really yeah. feels like it's a reputation song. This really feels like it's a 1989 song. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did do like kind of a loose ranking, and it made me realize that I have this album split into four quadrants. Um, mm. I have my top five that are like, put on repeat, listen to them constantly. Um, then I have another six or so songs that I think are really good, but they're not as addictive. Um, and then I have another five songs that I think are good. They're like fun to, you know, like jam to, but there's nothing about them that calls me to listen to them. And then the final five are just like the sleepiest get rid of them <laughs> skip these songs every single time kind i of did want to talk about what are your skips yeah. <laughs> so i would love to i would love to hear your whole ranking i did not do a full ranking i don't think i've listened to it enough to be able to do that yet but i would love for us to go through which songs are we skipping yeah well i can tell you i mean <laughs> the thing is all five of these are songs that like maybe i will return to and give a closer listen and they might you know i might grow to love them more but at yes, the moment um, I have The Great War, High Infidelity, Dear Reader, Vigilante Shit, and Labyrinth. Mm, I'm so happy that you don't like Vigilante Shit. Yeah, so <laughs> let's, like, let's talk about Vigilante Shit because this was on our last yeah. podcast. Y'all both were concerned. I was excited. Yes. It's such yeah. a great title. This song is the sleepiest reputation like song I've ever yeah. heard. She don't start shit, but she can tell you how it ends. Don't get sad, get even. So on the weekends, she don't dress for friends. Lately, she's been dressing for revenge. The idea of it should have so much power and edge. And the song has no power or edge or rhythm or catchiness or anything that I want from it. Yep. <laughs> Here's the deal. I'm going to make a case real quick, all right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Whenever I listen to Vigilante shit, um, I just picture the movie, the 2002 movie Chicago, and it makes me <laughs> love the song. Like, I picture Taylor as, like, Catherine Zeta-Jones with that bob and that heavy eye makeup singing this song, and it makes sense to me. It sounds like... It's got kind of like a, not necessarily doo-woppy, but it's got like kind of that old school vibe to it. And if I get into that headspace, I'm like, okay, I can, I can fuck with this. Now, <laughs> not my favorite, but I do have, if I yeah. put myself in that mind space, it gives me a lot more room to appreciate the song. Well, I'm definitely going to have to try that. Because <laughs> it's, it's on my skip list, along with Bejeweled um, Glitch, yeah. which not, not a fan of Glitch. And then high high infidelity. Yeah, glitch and bejeweled um, are right above like that tier that I had. Like they're yeah. right, uh, almost there. They're two songs that like if it's on, I'm not mad at it, but I don't think they're great. Um, yeah. One I last think... thing, I, I really quickly, I just want to say about vigilante shit before we move on from yeah. it is that <laughs> a TikTok I recently watched pointed out that. Taylor Swift doesn't do any vigilante shit in this song. Like she talks about like snitching to the feds and it's like, that's the least vigilante shit thing you could do. (laughs) Taylor is like reporting (laughs) someone to the FBI. (laughs) Like her, her version of vigilante shit is just drawing boundaries. It's one of the things about Taylor though, is like, she's like in no world. Do you ever see her doing any kind of vigilante shit? So it feels like she doesn't know what she's talking about writing a song. (laughs) about it so the problem is, i do see her doing vigilante shit which is what, what? makes me so mad about this song uh no um <laughs> maybe she's so good at it that she doesn't give away her secrets and her tricks <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, my theory is that she wrote this song in like 15 minutes she rattled it off and was like yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, um sorry i'll cut you off ben we were talking about glitch no, and you're good. yeah i well i was gonna give my skips like oh yes yeah. please I so like you, I kind of have like a subcategory, which is songs that are great except for one thing that ruins them for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is uh, "You're on Your Own, Kid," which 
cannot get enough of, I guess maybe it's the chorus or whatever that building part is. The bridge. The the bridge. But but these verses just are like nails on a chalkboard to me, um, where she does her kind of like... Like, I just can't. I'm just like, girl, I don't like this at all. This is doing nothing for me, which sucks because the rest of the song is so fantastic and just like draws you in and is so incredible. But like that, the verses make me want to die. So uh, I get a little bit of a skip on that. And with Bejeweled, like, are we all going (laughs) to pretend like Bejeweled is not the clunkiest word to try to put into a song? Like, it's, it's very difficult. It's just, <laughs> just every time she tries to say it, it's like she's trying to make fetch happen. And I just, yeah, I'm yeah. like, I don't <laughs> want to try to sing bejeweled. Here's Give my, us a different word. Here's my problem with bejeweled is I, 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 I'm going to bring up TikTok quite a bit in this podcast, but there's a lot of very funny TikTokers that will do like parodies of Taylor Swift songs. Like they write original Taylor Swift songs and they're using her style of writing. And Bejeweled feels like a parody of her writing style where it's just yeah. like a word salad of glittery words. And um, <laughs> especially the, the, the part where she says familiarity breeds contempt. Don't put me in the basement when I want the penthouse of your heart. That line bugs me, and it just feels like someone <laughs> pretending to be Taylor Swift in that line. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the word saladness of Bejeweled is really hard for me. I, I do admit, though, that it is catchy, and when I hear it in the background, I don't mind it as much. Yeah. Speaking of word salad and kind of phrases that, that irked us, I need to hear if this was just me. So Lavender Haze is a fantastic song, but... The part where she says, talk your talk and go viral. I just want this love spiral. Um, I don't, is it just something about her referencing going viral? It, it just, I, I don't know. Can anyone shed some light on why this is making me feel weird? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't bother me, but I do, I, I understand when people are irked by Taylor Swift using, I don't know, kind of Gen Z millennial lingo because she does feel so removed from that as a celebrity. Um, yeah. So like the, the viral, the other one that I think I've heard some people feel a little like uncomfortable with is in karma. When she say, when she says me and karma vibe like that. I hate um, it. Yeah. I, I, I don't it. think that that's her at her best, but I personally am not bothered, bothered by it. I don't think it's her best, but I love, I I think that line is almost perfect. Like, I, I love Which it. One? It just doesn't feel like her. Me and Karma vibe like yeah. that. Like, it just, that's the one I groove to every time in that song. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah. doesn't feel like her, but it works. Yeah. I, I think, Ben, in the Lavender Haze situation, I don't mind the viral because it precedes my favorite part of the song, which is get it off your chest, get it off my desk. The way she sings that, I'm like thrilled by. It's good. Yeah, it's a good lead in. Yeah. Um, The only other thing I wanted to talk about, and if we have other stuff that you guys want to go through, we can. But I was going to see if there was a lyric that stood out at all to you guys from this album that you're like, this is going to go down in history as like some top lyric stuff. I have two. Well, I have a personal favorite, and then I have one that I think is going to be more universally like known as a great Taylor yeah. lyric. My personal favorite lyric on this album is from my favorite song, which is Mastermind. I'm only cryptic and Machiavellian because I can. It's a great line on its own, but with the way she sings it and she hits all those syllables yeah. is, yeah, some good oh, shit. it's that's so delicious. <laughs> She does so well songs that are about regret, but also acknowledging like the good and the bad in a situation. Like woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. It's a, it's an amazing follow up to Dear John. I think, I think it's a very clear sequel to her feelings on that relationship. Um, But the line that really, there's a lot of great lines in this song, but my favorite line is in the bridge. Living for the thrill of hitting you where it hurts. Give me back my girlhood. It was mine first. Um, that give me back my girlhood. It was mine first is a top amazing Taylor line for me. Yeah. Mine was just the line before yours. Um, uh, if clarity's in death, then why won't this die? Years of tearing down our banners, you and I like just that, that build up of, um, of (laughs) time is not healing all wounds. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Time just creates scars. So it's just, it's, it really is, um, 
I think something that you can only write at, you know, at this point in your life, um, past that kind of trauma. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I think a lot of the album, the, the lyrics on these songs are beautiful. Um, but that one I do, again, we, we keep talking about would have, could have, should have, but I think it's just an incredible song that, um, that I haven't given enough time to yet. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, my, my top two lyric is I regret you all the time, um, from this song because she, yep repeats it over and over and every time she sings it you feel it um i think what we get from this like the the song itself is so fucking powerful and i think the one of the i think there are a couple of reasons why she left off the album i think it would have pulled focus pretty hard um from everything else um and i think it also even though the song is so 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 strong it doesn't really give us anything that dear john didn't give us in terms of you know information about the relationship or her feeling you know what i'm saying it's like she's kind of exploring it with different sounds but we don't necessarily get more than what we had already gotten from this situation i think the one the thing that we get more that that like when she's singing dear john she's like in the midst of the breakup and saying like i you know I'm feeling this right now. And this is, you know, 10 years later, this is still haunting me. And I like live with this regret. I had never thought about that, but that kind of answered a question that had been lingering for me on this album, which was so many of these songs are about nights, previous relationships, people she had been with. And obviously we know she had been with Calvin Harris worked on the song or he has a song called sweet nothing. And to me, your interpretation, Sandra, just fits perfectly. If she's going to write a song that has the same name as one of his songs, <laughs> one of the ultimate ways you can get revenge is that your song is just about how great the person you are with now treats you and how incredible they are and how great your life is. <laughs> that is such a great revenge. And it's the one song that Joe or William Bowery like co-wrote with her on this album. Yeah, um, I've heard a lot of people say that this song feels like an answer to the questions that are um, proposed in peace where she kind of has all these like doubts Mm. about, can I give this person what they need? And this song feels like the answer, like, yes, you can. Yes, you do. You know, it is nice to know just as somebody who's been a Taylor fan for so long and watched her go through these relationships, what she's presenting to us is her relationship with Joe the reason why it works is because he doesn't want anything from her, which is so beautiful because for everybody else, she has something that they can try to take. Yeah. And that just makes me really happy. I'm really happy for her. <laughs> I do want us to talk about, okay, my favorite ongoing joke about Joe in Taylor's songs is that um, there's so many songs where she kind of like, implies that he is doesn't have a lot of money i guess especially compared to her (laughs) um yeah and there's a line in one of these songs i don't know if it's related to joe or not but there's there's multiple lines actually on this album about like cheap wine or cheap rosé or you know she's like emphasizing that it's like not good alcohol and (laughs) uh, someone online had this theory of like you know Joe bought the most expensive bottle of wine that he could find, and then Taylor was like, oh, look at this cheap <laughs> wine you got. <laughs> it's a real vibe, yeah. for sure. That's fantastic. Um, That's so good. I, one, other thing, one other thing I wanted to say was, you know, I just mentioned how it feels like Sweet Nothings is like an answer piece. Um, similarly, I really love the idea of pairing invisible strings and mastermind together about invisible strings being this love song about how fate brought us together. And then mastermind being like, actually, (laughs) actually I planned it all. (laughs) That's funny. That's so funny. I want to talk. One of the songs we have not talked about that I want to get a little discussion on is the song question. Mm. Um, so as probably the representative, uh, Gaylor in this group, I wanted to just bring (laughs) up how, as somebody who is a very, very conspiracy theory down that rabbit hole, this song to me 
cannot be about anybody else besides Carly Kloss and their alleged relationship. Um, people online have been putting together the uh, footage of them from the 1975 concert where Taylor is hammered out of her mind and it's blurry footage of them seemingly kissing and making out. And I wanted just to see if that had entered any either of y'all's brain, what your takes on this song are, because I think it's a great song and it's super fun. Um, did this come with any uh, any any queer vibes to either of y'all? I, th- I think it's a very good song. Um, I'm very not online, so that is not what I thought about at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sandra introduced the concept of Carly Kloss to me uh, dur- ever, during Evermore, I think. The concept so I, of I, Carly Kloss. <laughs> no, I hadn't heard of her. I so. mean, through the last like four albums, that girl is a concept in this discography for yeah, sure. So. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely crossed my mind. I think especially like this song, like really uses the her pronouns quite a bit for us. Um, and it's purposely vague, right? Like who she's asking these questions to. Um, is she asking it uh, to someone that she's been with about herself? Is she asking it to someone else about another person she's been with? Um I I really am into the song and I I, I like how vague right. it is um, because I, I think you can come up with a, a million different scenarios for it. Um, the one thing I will say is question um, samples right. out of the woods with with the I remember. So there, of course, there's another. In addition to the Carly theory, there's another theory that this is about Harry Styles because it samples out of the woods and it's tying those two songs together. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hold, keep my cards. I'm gonna keep my cards close to my chest and not introduce the Diana Agron theory of 1989. We're gonna just sweep right past that. Sure. But sure. Uh, <laughs> Lucas but, is still stuck on Harry Styles because Lucas just forgot that Taylor dated Harry Styles. I don't know if I forgot or if I just didn't know. No, I definitely <laughs> have told you brought you it up previous, before. Yeah, yeah, okay. we've definitely talked about this. All before. right. It's just any it just goes right out of my mind every single time. So <laughs> I want to know where is Midnight's currently set? We've only had Midnight's for four days, but I do want to know where is it currently sitting um, in your ranking album? Yeah. For me, every album starts pretty low. I mean, even 1999, which is my top album, started at like the bottom um and had to grow its way all the way to the top so for me this is above reputation it is um but i think pretty low on the list um but it has room to grow i can see it you know getting top five for sure i think right now i'd put it at probably number three um whoa yeah wow what are your number what is one and two one and two is folklore and nineteen eighty nine. Um, I think it edges out um, fearless for me, just because I love fearless so much. But at at a certain point, it's pure nostalgia and very simple feelings. You know, complicated yeah. thoughts and simple feelings. Um, but I think for me. Like, she's just kind of given us a day, like, starting at, like, <laughs> like 3 p.m. You play 1989, you know, when the sun is down, you play Midnight's, and then in the middle of the night, for me, it's Folklore and Evermore. Um, mm. And I think Midnight's is right in that sweet spot of, like, you can go out to this song. Like, you can be out on the town, um, but, you know, you should be going home, like, that vibe. Uh, I, th- I it's, it feels really strong to me, um, and it feels like it's got propulsive momentum to grow over time. Like it doesn't feel like yeah. I'm gonna burn out on most of these songs. Some of them are already kind of skips for me, but most of them are not. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd put it at number three. What about That's you? great, Sandra? What about you? Yeah. Um... Right now, Midnight's is at number six for me. Wow. Yeah, right. It just it, okay. it, it feels like a dip, but then again, I've I mean, only all, I mean, you've only had it for the weekend, yeah. so um, I'm sure by the time her next album comes out, for all of us, this album will be an entirely different spot on those rankings. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, but, 
Well, this is really fun to talk to you guys about. I'm sure we'll continue this conversation as um, as we continue to listen to to Midnight's. We would love to hear from everybody else um, as you're starting to listen to this, as you have more thoughts and feelings. <laughs> um, so where can we find you guys on the internet? You can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And my plea to everyone is to give Hits Different a chance. Go find it somewhere (laughs) and listen to Hits Different. Give it a shot, for sure. (laughs) You can find me on all social at BenWeaver27. Give this album a spin. Go back and visit Melodrama and realize how similar they sound and how it does not bother you at all. And then go right back to Midnight's again. It's a great cycle. <laughs> yeah. And you can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. Um, definitely let us know how you feel about this at Feeling It Pod. Um, and I think that's about it for, for us. Is there a lyric we want to go out on? Me and Karma vibe like that? Is that a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll see you. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 